0: Welcome to Taiwan Jin, where you'll hear stories of Taiwanese innovators, makers, and advocates. You can now support the project on Patreon and help me think of questions for guests or who to interview. I'm your host, Cindy. Today, we're meeting with Emily Wu. The co-founder of Ghost Island Media. It's a podcast network based in Taiwan, and they have shows in English and Mandarin. Emily and I talk about, well, obviously podcasting, the meaning behind Ghost Island, which I love, and how podcasts have changed in the Taiwan scene just over the last two years. Let's get into it. Hi, Emily. Tell us about yourself and your connection in Taiwan. Hi, thank you for having me. I am
1: Emily. I'm from Taiwan. Originally, I am what you would call a parachute kid. So I left Taiwan when I was about 11 or 12 years old, went to the States, came back to Taiwan, worked a bit, left again, second time returnee, And now I have a podcasting company. It's called Ghost Island Media.
0: Can you share a little bit about your past work experiences in media and what got you to now go silent media?
1: Yeah. So, we're speaking now on a podcast. Podcasting to me, it's brought me a lot of joy even before mm. I started podcasting. But myself, going back, I come from production, news, and journalism, but I always did art in school. So, I went to school in Boston and I really wanted to do journalism. But then my dean told me that that was not a study. <laughs> Deans. <laughs> yeah. Aww. So I thought, well, what if I get summer credits or winter credits somewhere else? And they're like, nope, you can't transfer that back either. It's a liberal arts college. They really want you to have some kind of other expertise other than journalism. Journalism to them is a tool, right? It's how you tell your stories. Oh. But what are you going to tell? So I did fine arts <laughs> So I always loved drawing growing up, like making arts and crafts. So I did sculpture, video production, but then I was intern at journalism institutions. So I started with a newspaper. There was a newspaper here in Taiwan. I did a free weekly and then moved on to documentaries, TV documentaries, and then animation, news animation. That's when we moved on to like online video format. And so it's always been in production, but just... Practicing different ways of telling that
0: story. So why is podcasting a special medium for you? It's
1: so nice to not have to do video. (laughs) (laughs) Video was so expensive. I still love watching TVs or making films, right? But to me, with now what I want to do, which is, I mentioned earlier that after school in the U.S., I came back to Taiwan, worked a bit. And when I left again, actually, I went to China. It was Beijing, Hong Kong, Shanghai, and there was a period of time where, if you ever lived in China, you would know that it's really hard to get information in China. VPN <laughs> works, but Winnet is so slow. Listen to podcasts to me became a really easy way of getting kind of global information, and oh. that was kind of how I fell in love with it. Wow. It was just convenience, really. But then, as I started to discover more shows, I really, really loved. The medium and how convenient it is and how there's all types of shows on it that you could find, right? There's drama, there's documentary, there's Mm -hmm. something for everyone. And you tap into communities that you normally would not have the opportunity to. So I really love
0: that. So I've always loved true crime. So when my favorite murder came up and then now it's all murderinos and people who love true crime. First of all, I was like, where were you guys <laughs> 10 years ago? <laughs> but yeah, that's been such a nice surprise. These kinds of micro communities. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us about Go Silent Media, the shows you guys have and just its mission as well?
1: Yeah. So at some point, I wanted to come back to Taiwan. And mm-hmm. this was around 2017, 2018. And I was deciding to come back for the second time. And it was like, okay, what am I going to do now? There's a lot of things that I could have done. But production is what I know, so I'm probably going to stick with production. And that was also a time where I think if you looked at Google Trend during that time, in the past five years between 2014 and 2019, there was an increase of interest in Taiwan. Mm. But I think it was very difficult to find information about Taiwan in English. They exist, but very scattered. And... It's a very different experience if you are abroad looking for information on Taiwan. If you're living in Taiwan, the English language newspapers here, that satisfies what you need to know to keep up with life here. Mm-hmm. But I think for most people, that's not really what we're looking for. So what I would get asked a lot of where to go to Taiwan, what do Taiwanese think, yeah. what's going on in Taiwan? And at some point, because I was listening to a lot of podcasts and a lot of these people around me were listening to podcasts and they They knew where to go if they were looking for Japan or China or Mm -hmm. even Korea, but there was just this massive hole Mm -hmm. for I wanted to fill that. Mm -hmm. So that's why a part of Ghost Island Media, our English language content, we wanted to satisfy that. Mm -hmm. But for the Mandarin side, it's just like, okay, what cool new show can we develop? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we started planning this at the end of 2018. So that was Mm -hmm. two years ago.
0: Such a young podcast network.
1: Yeah, but for Taiwan, it's like yeah. old, right? That's true. Yeah, because <laughs> at the time, there was only 20 or 30 podcasts in Taiwan. Wow. So we started developing this. And the funny thing was, it turned out a lot of people were planning this at the exact same time. Wow. Because by mid-2019, a lot of things launched.
0: Mm. Shows were
1: launching, companies were getting launched, platforms were getting launched. Things were taking off. So it was very, very exciting. So now we have five shows. Our shows are in either English or Mandarin. They're not bilingual. I don't know that as podcasting industry goes, I don't know that we've really figured out bilingual content. And so that would be really exciting to figure out how yeah. to do that.
0: If you could give a brief synopsis to mm-hmm. each show.
1: I'll say the English ones first. Waste Not Why Not is on the environment. That one, we work with an environmental consultant based in Taiwan. He's an American. He's a full price scholar. He really knows this stuff. He also knows what Taiwan is good and bad at. With our shows, it isn't always to talk about what Taiwan's good at. I think we should be self-aware of things we're good at and be able to reflect and say, but there's all these things that we could do better at. So the environment, there's a lot of reasons why we're good at, but that show is not about Taiwan at all. It's just that sometimes when it comes to what we tend to be good at, we'll talk about it. Which really confused people because early this year, in February, we were in Seattle. We did a West Coast tour. This is pre-COVID. We were at the American Association for the Advancement of Sciences, AAAS annual conference. This is like a really great opportunity—a massive conference the association puts on every year. They publish Science, the journal. So we were invited as part of the. There was about ten podcasts that were there, and we got to just interview and talk to experts and just kind of be there and check out the kind of the rest of the science community. Yeah, really cool opportunity, and. Somebody there was like, hmm, you know, they're reading about this. You're from Taiwan, but your show is not about Taiwan. (laughs) You were very confused. And then our second English show, it's called The Taiwan Take. For that show, we have a veteran journalist interviewing an expert Mm. every episode. It's by topic. So we've covered national security. We've covered baseball, music, drama, LGBT, human rights, everything, basically, I think. If there's a topic that's important to the world, I wanted to put in the Taiwan perspective and hence the Taiwan take. So the tagline is there are global Mm. issues and this is the Taiwan take.
0: Is this one of the shows that you think fulfills your original intent of uh, helping to get more information out there? Yes, definitely.
1: Mm. That's, I think, the one. Yeah, Mm. definitely. We launched it right before this previous presidential election in Taiwan. Yeah, I really love the show. That one doesn't get updated. It used to be every two weeks and now it's kind of irregular. I think it's whenever we see there's a topic that needs to be talked about and then let's figure out how to talk about it.
0: What was the most popular topic that was discussed on the Taiwan Take?
1: That's a hard question to answer because we, I like to say, that we get good feedback on a lot of episodes. But I think one of the most special ones that we did was Last Christmas, we talked to the former Minister of Defense of Taiwan. We called a Life in Times of, and so it was to capture his colorful life into fifty-five minutes. So his story started when he was five years old, and he wow. was in China.
0: <laughs> wow!
1: And then he talked about making his way to Taiwan and starving his way to Taiwan, and then how he realized he wanted to be a pilot, and then he became a Top Gun, and then he had first love, and then. And then it was being on the air against Chinese fighter jets. That one was really special because you really hear somebody Mm -hmm. from that level speak in English. Mm -hmm. Um, And also just tell that kind of personal story. So that was very, very special. So a lot of these, we talk about things that are really important to Taiwan regionally, right? National security, China infiltration. Those are topics that we need to talk about. But then there's the others that I really love and just personal stories, and they're so generous with their time with us yeah. and generous with kind of their life experience and what they want to tell people. We also talked to Professor Xiaoru Shirley Lin. She's a former banker turned academic. She now teaches at CUHK in Hong Kong, but also okay. UVA in Virginia. Her specialty is that intersection between political science and economy for Taiwan. So she talked about trade. That was the episode we talked about cross-trade relations and national identity. And she had really good thoughts for students, whether they're Taiwan, Hong Kong, or, or China, or just around the world. They were like, I want to work in China. Is that okay? Right? People are telling me I should go home and contribute and not be a part of the brain drain. Mm-hmm. What do I do with that? And she had really good advice, I think, to young people, which was saying, Go go practice, go where you think you're going to have the best training. Mm. Because when you're ready, you will go home one day. Mm. But if you're not the best at what you do, there's not much you can contribute to.
0: So wise. Yeah.
1: I thought that was so powerful. Wow. I think that's something that mm-hmm. we all, I think as like Liu Xuesen or second gen or what, just the in-betweens, right? Always struggle with like, do I stay? Or do I go? Or do I go home? Or do I not? And there's that guilt of not going home. And she was like, no, it's okay. Just,
0: I needed to hear that. <laughs> okay, I think we covered two shows. Yes. So far. <laughs> sorry,
1: I know you, you asked for short answers and these are super yeah, long yeah, answers. Okay. And then a third English one was one that we're wrapping up the first season. It's a collaboration between Ghost Island Media and Thonic, the heavy metal band. Lead man is Freddie Lim, who also happens to be an activist and also a politician, member of parliament here. So that show is totally fun. So that show, we talk about music, we talk about Taiwanese politics and Taiwanese stories.
0: How do you find cool people like that?
1: <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> you gotta move back to Taiwan. Yeah. yeah, if you Google him, you'll see a lot of these rock star politician or metal star politician. And it is a fascination to the world that he is uh-huh. heavy metal <laughs> and politics. Mm-hmm. But from, I think, listening to that show, you get a really good sense of why mm. that makes so much sense for him you really get the sense that it becomes this attitude on life. Uh-huh. And so that makes a lot of sense that how he writes his music is exactly the type of person that would be an activist, that mm-hmm. would be like a really different politician.
0: Yeah, I, I am starting to see the connection now, for sure. The more you talk about it. Okay, two Mandarin shows. Yes.
1: So the two Mandarin shows, the first one we launched in Taiwan, it was called 大妈反不反. And in English, we translated it to in the, weeds with law- <laughs> in the Weeds with Lawyer Zoe Lee. So it is a show on cannabis. So what happened was that cannabis is crazy illegal in Taiwan. Like don't do drugs here. It's bad. Got it. like, yeah. But there's different levels of why it's legal. What happens when you, if you smoke it, if you import it, if you grow it, if you, right. So we started with, it's just the basics that let's look at this, drug that is very controversial and taboo in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And that's contrasted with the growing, the immensely growing cannabis industry in the world. So it's not just about Taiwan and the legality of it. It's also looking at that agricultural, the medicine, the industrial possibilities, the potentials, cosmetics, potentials of cannabis. And plus, the, so it's hosted by this woman named Zoe, who is as of now still the only cannabis lawyer in Taiwan. And she's so cool.
0: It is a bit interesting to me why in Asia, cannabis is so controversial. Because in Europe, especially, or even now in North America, it's becoming more accepted.
1: And with that show, it's also a bit of how we pick our shows, which is what kind of topics is it that needs to be talked about that's Mm. not being talked about? So with that thesis, the environment, at the time when we launched there was very few environment shows coming from a non-U.S. or European perspective. So we wanted to fill that. With Taiwan Take, it was really hard to find Taiwan information on Taiwan. And I think sometimes some of the best pieces about Taiwan are written by the foreign correspondents. And they are the best writers of our generation. But many of them are more focused on writing the China story. So we mm-hmm. become a footnote. And so that was something that needed to be talked about, I think, in our perspective. Cannabis, also, it's a global trend, global topic, but Taiwan wasn't talking about it yet. So for all of the shows we do, it satisfied that, you know, what is it that we want people to be talking about more? The final show, the fifth show, it's called In Training, Shao Gui Den Dao. So that's our interim project. Interns with us, half the time you're working on company shows, so any of these other shows maybe production or maybe it's marketing, research. But we really wanted the interns or research fellows to also get hands-on experience on developing their own shows. Mm -hmm. So every semester we'll take on a number of interns and they each need to make at least two episodes. So they pitch to us, we refine this pitch, Mm
0: -hmm. they
1: write it, they record it, they edit it all on their own. I think it's such a new genre Even though, yeah, in the U.S., like more than half the adults are listening to podcasts now, right? And there's, I think last month in October, 100,000 podcasts were added to Apple Podcasts alone. In a way, like everybody's doing this now, but on the other hand, I think there's a very different way of storytelling when it comes Mm -hmm. to podcasts. So we wanted to provide that platform to, to experiment with it. There's been personal narratives. There's been drama. There's been fiction. I love it a lot because we also get to... Experiment with different kind Mm of genre.
0: Yeah, it's like a little lab. But Mm -hmm. something I do like about it is that you are fostering this talent right in Taiwan. And then you're hopefully helping to build up that ecosystem.
1: Yeah. So we're launching the second season soon.
0: Just as a side note as well, because the name Ghost Island stands out to me a lot, maybe for those that are uninformed, can you give a little background to why you named your podcasting network Ghost Island?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Go silent, and So for our Taiwan audience, there's really only two kinds of reactions we get when they hear the name go silent or Guidao. If you're slightly older, you cringe. And this is actually a problem we have with the older folks, which mm. is they're like, yes, what are you doing, you
0: know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and for the younger generation, they really get it. So what it's supposed to do is in the last 10 to 20 years or so, people have started to talk about Taiwan in a very, very negative and pessimistic way. It's to mean that it is a dying island. You know, the economy is crap. There's brain drain. People are leaving. It's a sinking island. It's a shithole, basically. So that's what Guidao is. And when I came back this time, I would get questions from my friends like, "Why are you back again? <gasps> it's Guidao. You come back to And it got me really sad because I came back. I was (laughs) super charged. I was really excited about to launch this project. And then there's people telling me like, wait, it's a shithole. Why are you back here? So I really don't want to take that and put a positive spin on it. In a way like, okay, so what if it's a shithole? There's still really cool people on it. This is a really cool place. And I'm going to show you why this place is Mm -hmm. great. Or if you already think this place is great, say, yeah, yeah, yes. We're like, we're shit town and have pride (laughs) in that. And like, we have cool people and have cool stories.
0: Yeah. So the young generation, they lean into it. They do. And also, it's
1: not just us. It's also been a part of the greater pop culture too. Musicians and others are also taking this into a really
0: positive spin. What a wonderful name. That just tells me your network is really for the people. Thank you. Okay. So back to the podcast. Which podcast do you think is the hardest to produce, but still really important? To create? Oh, they're all hard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're all really hard for different reasons. The environmental one is hard because we're based in Taiwan and we have a show that is about the world. It's COVID. We can't really go mm. and do offline engagements. So for marketing, that show has been really tough. For Taiwan Take, even before we started the Taiwan Take, I oftentimes had to defend why this show exists or should Hmm. exist. I had a lot of feedback that said, that's too niche, nobody cares. And I don't like hearing that, that my country doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) So that show needed to be launched. So that took me a year to launch it finally, right? So now Uh one year in, we never have to defend that show anymore because Taiwan is in the spotlight, which is really cool. But there has been production challenges because it is in English. There's been multiple times where there's topics we wanted to cover, But we haven't been able to because we haven't found speakers in English. So that is a big challenge. Cannabis was tricky at Mm. first because it is an illegal substance. So we (laughs) need to make sure that the show Mm -hmm. doesn't sound like it's promoting drug use. Mm -hmm. So when we were launching that show, we had to be very careful about what the hosts say or how we designed it. And so that now it's become a catchphrase her saying, it's very illegal, please do not do drugs. Please. <laughs> she says it like, it's very legal like three times. It's a catchphrase of the show now. We have to be very, very careful about that. But about two months after the show was launched, that was also around the previous general election. Zoe, the host of the show, she was nominated by the Green Party, not DPP, but like the Green Party with the environment. She was nominated by the Green Party as an at-large legislature. It's a very big deal because mm-hmm. she ran on this platform that she wanted legalized medicalization of oh. marijuana. So she all of a sudden brought this up to a national level, which then opened up in a way wasn't risky for us anymore. So that was how that got solved. The intern show is challenging because we do have to spend time workshopping this.
0: And it's almost like it's one intern show, but there's many shows within. Yeah, the they're show. all in a way, <laughs> they are all pilots to something. Yeah. Way. So just hearing you talk about this, I can feel your brain split in so many ways. (laughs) It's your network, after all. So it makes me think, what's running a network in Asia?
1: I think it's been a really exciting time to launch a media company. Because with the ease of internet, really, we can reach such a global audience. There's been really young, hip media companies coming out of China, coming out of Indonesia, coming out of Taiwan, Korea. It didn't used to be that. We could so easily Mm -hmm. deliver any of these content to people. And now it's really, I think now kind of any barriers we had before have been broken. So I think that's a really, really exciting time. Something that really inspired me, when I first came back to Taiwan in 2007, I was working at public television and I was on this project. It never got made. The documentary never got made. But it was about the rise of blogging. It was called Web 2.0 at the time. It was when blogging was just getting really big. Mm -hmm. That year iPhone had just released, Twitter launched for the first time. It was really the beginning of user-generated content. We were going to do a documentary, kind of a global look at how internet users are now using this and being empowered by the ability to write your own message on the internet. Back then, it was only blogging. And then it would come videos and now audio, right? At the time, I heard about this group of Cambodians in Phnom Penh for college students. They were going around the country teaching high schoolers how to block. And so fun, yeah, but to them, they were doing this because they said, look, Cambodia at the time was a, I think it was about like 25% of the population was youth. And they had been burdened by their history of the past. And they wanted to find a way to write their own history. And they thought blocking was the way to do it. There was a lot of English that was spoken there. And they said, look, this is how we tell people our story. I do believe that when, when now that we have that power to tell our own stories, and mm-hmm. it is up to us to write that story. I think for Taiwan, if you look at back in our history, our name Formosa was given by the Portuguese. Our maps were drawn by the Dutch, right? Or like our infrastructure was by the Japanese, and mm-hmm. Mandarin, the language, came from China, right? And it was always others telling us what our story should be. And I think now with technology, now there's really nice opportunity we have to get our own voice out there. Um, and I think, yes, we're just a part of it. You're doing the same. There's a lot of second generations that are writing fiction. They're doing it in their way. The culinary, Taiwanese-American culinary boom, right? they're telling Taiwanese story in that other way. And I just find that really beautiful. And we're just happy mm-hmm. to be a part of it.
0: I loved hearing you talk about that. It felt to me like this is the true mission behind Ghost Island Media. And I want to borrow your mission. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right. So you mentioned just now that when you were just launching this podcast network, there were only 20, 30 podcasts in Taiwan. That told me, you know, maybe podcasting wasn't as popular Mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. Has podcasting changed for the Taiwanese population here, or where do you see it going?
1: Oh, it's exploded in Taiwan since we launched it. (laughs) I think now the most recent count was maybe there's 5,000 shows now. So that growth is tremendous. But I think with anything, you saw this with the rise of blogging as well, right? All of a sudden, there was a lot of new blogs and then a lot didn't get continued. So mm-hmm. we see that too. There's a lot of shows that kind of discontinue after five shows. And that's okay too. And I think that's everybody's way of testing. Like, is that my medium? To some, it will be me. I others are like, nah, I'm gonna go back to writing blogs or I'll draw, right? Mm-hmm. Since then, there's also been now multiple Mandarin-based, Taiwan-born platforms. And I think that's really helped Discovery as well. It's really helped people be able to listen to podcasts. Because when we first started, it was so... B- <laughs> we had to answer the most basic questions, which was, what is a podcast? Yep. How do you listen to it? <laughs> and so there's a lot of that market education. But that's only the beginning. I'm really excited for the podcasting in Taiwan because right now there's a lot of shows that are... There's a lot of chat shows, like mm-hmm. talk shows. Yes, There's multiple ones on sex and gender multiple ones on sex and gender and they're all really good and I think these are all topics that like magazines didn't want to cover you know you would never find that airtime on tv or radio there's also a lot of good news and information shows but podcasting is so much more than that and so we're really excited
0: yeah and when you mentioned on the intern show you're maybe putting out some fiction that piqued my interest as well I've listened to some um, murder mystery (laughs) shows so it's a great format.
1: Yeah, season two of The Intern Show, one is a complete fiction. It's like a sci-fi fiction. Mm-hmm. And then the other is a satire. That one's quite fun. I'll just say that it's a satire look into the world of podcasting and there's improv acting involved. And then there's the other fiction one It was written by somebody who only did factual writing, like news writing in the past. Mm-hmm. And so she just like, I'm going to do fiction out of it, right? And so... That takes place in 2049. You know, we wake up one day and the island of Taiwan has disappeared. Like it's just gone, vanished. That's the beginning.
0: Wow. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay, so more about you. How has doing all of this work ultimately made you feel more connected with Taiwan again?
1: So when I left Taiwan when I was 11 or 12, I always came back to Taiwan. Like home was always in Taiwan. I was always just a student. Mm. And so winter breaks and summer breaks, I had to come back to Taiwan because home was always here. My parents always lived in Taiwan. So I always had that connection. But coming back after school, that's a different type of connection because it's all of a sudden professional connections and then you're making your own connections. So I, in a way, I feel like I always had that. But through Go the Media, I'm able to work with Really, really cool people. Mm. And I love that. Otherwise, it's people you hear about. And I'm like, oh, yeah, interview them. Right. Like the other day, the pianist I was talking yeah. about the other day in my family chat room. I think my mom was like, oh, hey, here's a performance that seems really interesting. Like asking my dad if you would like to go. And I was like, ah, that's Gwela Chen. Go. She's amazing. <laughs> and also, like, we've interviewed her twice. And, and I went off about how amazing she was. And they were like, OK, OK, we'll go. We'll go. I got it. I got it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Aww. that's been really cool. Mm -hmm. And you were at the Startup Island Mm event recently. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So now you're a part of this whole other community through this work.
1: Yeah. So because we're halfway between startups and media. Mm -hmm. And so yes, the Startup Island you mentioned. So that was a part of Meet Taipei, which is a big startup event every year. But then just yesterday I was at Junsu University. I was on a panel with Public television and also Radio Taiwan International. Um, we were talking about media. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of bounced between these two. I guess I'm really lucky.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's your hope for Taiwan? Mm. I think there's a lot we can be proud of.
1: And I think for people who never left Taiwan, there is this sense of, uh, you know, grass is always greener on the other side. It is our instinct to want for something better. But... I think sometimes we forget as Taiwanese because we're taught to be like, yoli mao, be humble, never talk about yourself, never acknowledge any goods in you, right? Like that's how we're taught. And then it's in front of relatives or family friends. Your parents are always putting you down because you're not supposed to be proud of your kids. You're not supposed to show that we're good at something. And I hope that gets changed with that generation because I think that hurts our confidence like, as an adult. Well, I think we find that eventually, but it takes time to gain that back. And that's distracting for us, right? Well, the time that we're trying to figure out how to like forget all that and gain that confidence again, we could already be building to a better, more powerful version of us, whatever, right? I'm kind of split. Half of me is I'm from here and I never left in a way. The other half is had all this outside experience and now I'm coming back. So the flip side is a lot of people didn't want to come back because it's a shit town because there's nothing to offer here you know wages are low it isn't going anywhere right and I hope that changes too I like to think that once people come back they'll realize like wait this is actually a really cool place (laughs) yeah so I think just be more certain about what we're really good
0: at and like what we have to offer to the world you can listen to the Ghost Island media shows on your podcast platform I really like the new episode of Taiwan Take with Chef Andre Jiang Please remember to rate, subscribe, and support us on Patreon. Thank you for listening. Taiwan Jiao.